it's been a great morning already, and I'm thankful that each of you, again, are here today. We have a, a large crowd online this morning. I'm thankful that you all have joined us as well. One thing I want to uh, mention, a prayer request that came in. If you notice in the bulletin, the order is a little different because of the prayer time we had, and Kent uh, led that closing prayer before communion. Um, so we're not going to have our traditional shepherd's prayer at the end, so we're mentioning some prayer requests throughout the service today. Uh, James Henderson texted a prayer request and we want to make you aware of so you can be adding this to your prayers. Uh, the family of Bob Shipley, who was a coach of James's at ACU, uh, his, they, they found his wife di- uh, dead uh, recently, a couple of days ago. And so I want to ask you to be praying for the Shipley family. James asks us to do that. Uh, sounds like it was kind of a tragic death as well. So some difficulty there with that. I want to thank you as well for participating in our prayer time. Uh, for that to happen and for it to work, uh, we, have to, we have to all participate. And uh, whether you're praying there in your seat or praying with someone, um, my hope is that we will see the ways that that over the coming months shapes and forms us as God's people here. Uh, as I said, we want to continue to create and build on the culture that we already have where uh, that's normal to be a part of a family that uh, prays for each other. I, I, I've told this story before, but uh, I had a fr- I have a, one of my college roommates. We had, we had graduated from college, um, and he had kind of had a hard time finding a church. He was single, had a hard time finding a church. Finally found, this was a couple of years after we had graduated from college, more than 20 years ago now. Uh, and I, my friend's name is Cody. I talked to Cody and I said, you know, we were catching up and in the course of our conversation, he said to me, I found a a church and I've, I've been going there for a couple of months. It's been really great. And then he said this, he said, they talk about Jesus in the hallways. That was his line. And that line has stuck with me uh, now more than 20 years because I, I think it perfectly describes what I want us to be. And when I see, you know, when I, I think when we pray with one another, when we're vulnerable, when we trust each other enough to share things that are on our hearts, when we pray not only when, at the designated times to pray, but also in the hallways, after class, before class, standing over a cup of coffee, like that's, that's how we create that culture where we become a church that talks about Jesus in the hallways, right? And what he meant by that was every church talks about Jesus in this space. But are we also talking about Jesus out there? Are we also talking about Jesus next Thursday afternoon with each other, right? Like that it's not just something we come in here to do, but it's also something that we want to live. And so we need each other to do that. And we have to help each other and kind of spur one another along to make that happen. So I just want to again, highlight and thank you for participating in that time. And I hope that you'll continue to do that in the months ahead. We'll do that again in February. So you can uh, be looking forward to that. Obviously we can pray any week, but we wanted to start off doing it once a month as we kind of got used to that rhythm as a church family. So last Sunday, we shared that starting today, we are beginning a process uh, to identify additional men to serve as elders and shepherds for this church family. If you're online or if you are in the room this week, but were online last week and you didn't read the church email that I sent out, uh, then this is news to you because we learned Sunday afternoon, Monday morning that the live stream had cut off before the announcement was made. So if you're online this morning and you are also online last week, this might be the first time you're hearing about this announcement. 
Uh, but what, what I, so I want to just kind of highlight quickly a couple of things that I said last week that were mentioned. Last, the last time we did this as a church was seven years ago in 2015. Uh, when we added Kent Wilson and Mike Glover as elders. And since 2015, a lot has happened. Mike and Michelle have moved away. Uh, we've had some elders, Jerry Morgan and Gary McGregor, that have stepped away for health reasons after serving as shepherds for, of, for this church for many years. Uh, we've had elders that have taken sabbaticals. Mike Holder took one for a little while when his job took him out of the area. Joe is still in the midst of a sabbatical now and plans to join the elder group again at some point in the future. And I mention all that because those, these things happen, right? Like life happens. People move, life situations change and shift. But through all of that, it's still really important to continue to have a group of leaders that can oversee not only the work of the church, but really, I think, more importantly, the people of the, our church family continue to shepherd and care for us. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time during the sermon. It's going to be a little different feel to the sermon than normal. Uh, I think of these kind, kinds of sermons as like teaching sermons and really things that we need to talk about from time to time as a family. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time during the sermon looking at this topic together. And, I, and we want to do this for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, we just want people to be informed about the process, about the details of the process, uh, maybe hopefully get some questions you may have answered. Uh, because it's been some years since we've done that. And so I'll teach on the topic at the end of this time. Next week, you'll have an opportunity over a couple of week period to recommend men to serve in this way starting uh, next Sunday. But we also, that's kind of one reason I want to talk about it. The, the real reason that I want to talk about it, the primary reason is that I want, I want these next couple of weeks to prepare us and our hearts and our minds for this season as a church. It's an, it's an exciting thing, I think it can be, as we think about our future but we want to be prayerful about it. And so I want you to see this as kind of a call to prayer. Uh, these can be important processes for a church to go through together. And we want everybody to participate and engage. And we want to do that with a prayerful spirit. So if you're new to KCOC or you didn't grow up in a church that was overseen by elders, we have a lot of people in our church from different backgrounds. A process like this might be new to you. For some of you, it might seem familiar. Uh, churches are all organized in different ways. And we're not going to debate all of the ways that they're organized or talk about those. We are organized by elders that oversee everything, ministers that are the paid staff, and then deacons and ministry leaders that help uh, serve by running different areas of ministry. And so I want to talk today about this question, what is an elder? I want to kind of address that one main question. And hopefully as we go, I'll clarify um, why we would go through a process like this. And so to answer this question, what is an elder? I want to start by looking at several passages in the Bible where this topic of elder uh, is elders and shepherds and overseers are talked about. There's, there's three primary places, there's others in the New Testament, but where this is discussed. And so I'm going to read these three places back to back to back. One is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, one is in Titus 1, and one is in 1 Peter 5. Uh, and so here, here these words as we prepare to kind of think about this topic this morning. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do it in a manner worthy of full respect. 
If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Titus chapter 1 says, you can go to the next, next couple of slides advance there. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children are trustworthy and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, quick not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must fir hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And then finally in 1 Peter 5, he says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Christ, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the first thing that I want to do as we talk about these three passages is I want to highlight the fact that there are three primary words that are used in these passages to describe the role of elder. It's elder or shepherd, also sometimes thought of and translated as pastor, uh, and overseer. Sometimes overseer is translated in some Bible translations as bishop. Uh, and so the, the word elder just means one who leads with spiritual experience. Uh, there's there's this, this word shepherd, again, also thought of as pastor, which is a little more self-explanatory. And then this word overseer or bishop. So during this time, think about the, the context when these passages are being written. Uh, when, when Paul especially, but primarily, is going around, but also some of the disciples are going around and planting these church, they're starting the church, right? And so when we read these passages, we have to keep in mind that Jesus lived on earth, he died, he was raised from the dead, he went back to the right hand of God, and then he sent the Holy Spirit, and the, the church begins to grow because of the disciples and the followers that are gained through the message being spread. And all of those people live in different places. And so as the word is being spread, churches are popping up all over that part of the world. And Paul can't live in all these places, right? He can only live in one place. And so what happens is that leaders are established in those places, leaders that will oversee, leaders that will shepherd, leaders that will lead those churches with spiritual wisdom. And this is where we get this practice that we still use today of having multiple elders, a plurality of elders, sometimes it's referred to, that will do this in our context here in Kaufman. And so for today's purposes, I'm not going to spend really as much time digging down into each of the, the passages that we just read and looking at what they mean. What I'm really interested in is how you and I apply those passages that we just read. And, and as a teacher, I really like participation. I realize participation is harder in a setting like this, a, a room like this where we're all kind of spread out and there's one person up front. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to participate with me anyway. That's why we practiced earlier where I was saying amen and you were saying amen. I was saying amen and you were saying amen. 
I was I said deal, and you said deal. good. So you're already you're war, you're much warmer now than you were earlier. So what I've done in the next couple of slides, and and you guys can just kind of slowly go back and forth between these over the next couple of minutes, but I, I, I took the three passages that we read together just a moment ago, and I've put them in a in list form to kind of summarize what's mentioned in all of these passages. So you're going to see all of the characteristics that were mentioned in those passages. And some of these, you'll notice, are per positive personal characteristics, things like gentleness and hospitality, hospitable, eager to serve, etc. And some of them are maybe worded kind of in a negative way, ne negative personal characteristics like shouldn't be an alcoholic, quick-tempered, a shady businessman, you know, etc. Right? And so how you view these lists, these, this gathering of, of ideas, I, I think makes all the difference in how you think about this topic. So I want to do a little thought experiment, a little exercise. This is the, the crowd participation part, and you have to participate. So if Jesus were alive today, here's the, here's the thought experiment. As you think about these lists here, if Jesus were alive today, and he were to move back to Kaufman County, and he walked into Kaufman Church of Christ, and he became a member of our church, and, and after some time passed, people got to know Jesus, uh, and we decided that we were going to go through a process like this to add more shepherds, would you recommend Jesus to be an elder based solely on the lists on the screen here? Think about your answer. Look closely at the qualities that are mentioned in these passages. Would you recommend Jesus to be an elder, yes or no? Now, you have, you have to vote. You're not going to be graded, but just play along with me. If you're watching online, we see you and we expect you to raise your hand at home. Uh, <clears throat> we don't really see you, but we want you to raise your hand at home. That would be weird if we saw you and watching you while you're watching us. Uh, so if you would say... Nobody's going to judge your answer. There's no right. Just, this is just for fun. I want you to participate. If you would say no, Jesus, I would not recommend Jesus to be an elder. Raise your hand. All right. If you would say yes, I would recommend Jesus to be an elder. Raise your hand. All right. And if you did not raise your hand, raise your hand. You, all, you actually did fail. Uh, okay. So if you would vote yes, just think about it. Why would you do that? Right. Why would you vote yes? He met all the characteristics perfectly, maybe, you think? Because you, don't, you just don't want to vote against Jesus, which is why I would vote yes. I would never want to vote against Jesus. If you voted no, why would you do that, right? He wasn't a husband or married at all. You could make the case that the church is the bride, I guess. He didn't have children, so he couldn't manage his own household. He wasn't always thought of as well as for, uh, by outsiders, for sure, that got him killed. So maybe you have some, some ideas about why you would vote no. But of course, voting no, interestingly enough, in this thought experiment, means that the only perfect man to ever live, based on our vote, he might not be recommended as one of the shepherds at Kaufman Church of Christ. Think about that for a second. And what's the point of this little experiment. The point is that I want us to think about this. As I said, I think how you view this list is, is, is the most important thing in determining how you think about this topic and how you think about these qualities. And I want you to think about them not as a checklist. 
I want you to think about them as a way that is trying to describe the kind of person that you and I should think about when we're thinking about who among us might serve as a shepherd of this church. If this was a checklist, I actually think if Paul intended for this to be a checklist and go, yep, yep, they have all of those qualities. If this was a checklist, I think everywhere where this topic is discussed, that the words that were written would be exactly the same. Now, there is some overlap. You heard that in the passages, but they are not all the same. The lists are not the same. They mention different things. They say it in different ways. Some of them mention things that other passages don't mention. And so because they're not the same, my conclusion is that what is being described here is what is being put forth here is not a checklist, but a description, a description about the kind of person that might serve as an elder or shepherd or overseer. Every shepherd or overseer pastor of uh, this church will not embody every one of these qualities, but together you hope that many of these qualities will be reflected in the group as a whole. And I think that's the way that we have to think about it. And I think that really impacts everything else. Is, is every one of our elders going to be a phenomenal teacher? No. Every one of them going to be a gifted public speaker? No. Are they all going to be the most hospitable people in our church? They, that may not be their gift, so maybe no. Is it good for these things and others to be a part of the, the group as a whole, to be visible among the group? Yes, it is. They'll, they'll be, I think that, that we have to think about it as, as it as these passages attempt to describe these kind of people, that they'll be, the way we think about it is that they will be someone that brings people together. They will be someone, I think this is really important, that has a positive attitude about Kaufman Church of Christ, about our values, about our culture, about the mission that we believe that God has given us to reach people with the love of Jesus. That they'll be someone that you look to, probably already, or for sure that you could see yourself looking to, for spiritual direction and instruction. And I think one of the mistakes, I don't really think this is an issue with us. I might have needed to say this more back in 2015 when I preached, you know, whenever we did this before. But one of the mistakes I think that churches have historically made through the years when going through processes like this is that people each in their own way, as they look at those lists that are mentioned in all of those passages, use what I am going to call a scale of perfection, right? A scale that moves from one to 10. No one ever actually talks about this, of course, but it, it, this is the kind of the way that people think about it. It might exist in people's minds. And, and this scale of perfection can work two different ways. And I think both are really important to talk about. One is that people apply it to other people. They say, well, I might recommend that person to serve as an elder, but I can't do that because they don't move far enough on the, my scale, my 10, whatever your 10 is, they don't move far enough up that scale. And so I'm not going to recommend them. And I would say to you, that's not the right way to think about it because no one, Jesus, y'all just voted, couldn't even be an elder here, right? So I think we have to think about it, not as a scale of perfection, but a are, are these people that I'm recommending going to embody some of the qualities that we see important in this role? The other way, so we apply it to, to people, other people. The other way that sometimes this happens, some of you men, if you were to, someone were, were to come to you and say, can I recommend your name? You might say no, because in your mind, you don't place yourself far enough over to the number 10. And it may be that the church needs you to serve in this way, but you've already decided in your mind 
that you don't, you, you, you know, because there, you don't fall on the scale at, at a place where you feel comfortable, right? Maybe sometime, sometime long ago, somebody told you weren't spiritual enough or good enough, or you decided that maybe from some life experience. And I share this image, this idea, because I want to suggest that what happens when we do this, again, I think it's unspoken, but when we do this unspoken thing, this scale of perfection to ourselves and to one another, it actually hurts the body. Because on one hand, it hurts the body because if you're going through a process like this that with some expectation that your leaders have to arrive at a certain place on the scale before they can serve as leaders, that's not helpful. And on the other hand, it's not helpful, it hurts because if you're going through this process with the expectation that you have to arrive at a certain place on the scale before you can ever serve, then that's not helpful, right? What, we, what you are looking for and thinking about as we enter into this process is someone who is a builder, an encourager, a builder of people, someone that you see as an example for yourself and for others, someone that is generous and caring and kind and respectful and humble, someone that you've already seen caring for you and others, already seen serving this church. An elder, an elder does not need to be an outstanding person in the business world. That has no, no significance with this process. They don't need to be a good public speaker or have a charismatic personality. They don't need to be wealthy or perfect. That, those things don't matter in the kingdom of God. When I was in middle school, I was on, a track, on the track team. Maybe some of you were forced to be on the track team in middle school by some coach that loved you. When I was in middle school, I was on the track team, and I had a brief stint in middle school as a high jumper. I know, it's surprising. <clears throat> the reason my high jumping career was so brief was because I couldn't high jump. And, and so I had, I had a challenge getting over the bar. Once the coaches raised the bar to a certain height, I was unable to clear it. And so they moved me on to other events. Hurdles is what they tried next, and that wasn't much better. I had to back up one race to get back over the hurdle, so that's about how, how well that went. <clears throat> I, wanna, I use this example because I, I think that, that you trust the people that we're thinking about, that we're going to recommend to serve in this way. You trust these people not because they're perfect, but because they are mature, because they raise the bar. Elders, I think, raise the bar in the church. I think it's a good way to think about elders and shepherds, overseers, and what they do. Being with them should cause us to want to raise the bar in our own lives, should stir us to greater commitment in every aspect of life. They set the example and they lift the standard for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Ideally, right, they should do for your life and mine what my coaches did for me, raise the bar set expectations, give us encouragement. And at the same time, they're not gonna be perfect as they do this. They're gonna be aware of their imperfections as they do this. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a church that has elders and shepherds that think that they are perfect, right? That's not much of a church, really, a church, a group of people who are pretend, pretending to be perfect. What we know when we come in here is that we aren't perfect. Churches have been identifying for leaders for a long, long time. So this is not a new thing. And now is the season for us to do that very thing. And so today's focus, again, has been a little different. But I, my hope is that it's been 
that has helped to accomplish giving us a clearer picture of what an elder is. After next week's sermon, again, you'll have an opportunity that will last for a couple of weeks to recommend men that you see serving in this way. And I want to say now, and I'll say again, every person's voice in this process matters. If someone comes to mind that you personally identify uh, that Mike could step into this role and lead out of his imperfections, I want to encourage you to turn their name in, recommend their name. Do not turn, not turn somebody's name in because you think somebody else is going uh, to turn their name in because we want every person to participate. And so both today and in the next couple of weeks, we want to invite you uh, to be thinking about that, but also mostly to be praying. Again, that's part of why I said today's goal was to really kind of help frame our hearts and minds around this topic, uh, that it can be a prayerful process, that you're not just submitting names, recommending names, but you're praying about that. And so my encouragement to you, and while we're not asking you to do that today, we will not receive them today if you try to give them to us, because we want to intentionally call each of us to be praying this week and in the weeks to come about this. Well, as we enter into this process, we do so with excitement about what God will do and how God will use this to bless and encourage our church, how God will use it to position our church for even greater things in the years ahead. And again, today I realize it's not a typical sermon, uh, but my hope is that we've discussed and what we've discussed will help frame our thoughts as we enter into this process, as we've thought about this, the answer to this question, what is an elder? Not a perfect person, but one who lives among us, serving, caring, loving, offering themselves to us, walking with us through the highs and lows of life. Today, I want to end a little differently. As I said earlier, you know, we typically end with a shepherd's prayer, but because of our prayer time earlier, uh, Kent closed out that time. We're going to end instead with a blessing, and then we're going to head from here into our class time. So if you would stand with, the, with me this morning. <clears throat> I want to end with uh, the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6. I actually want to invite you uh, to say these words with me. It's just two slides here this morning. And then I will say a prayer and we will be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's pray. Father, this is our prayer that you, you will help us reflect your glory, that you will turn your face toward us, that, that you'll bless and keep us as a church family, as individuals, as we live our lives here in this place. We want to do so, Father, in a way that brings glory to your name and your name alone. We pray this morning uh, that you will walk with us in the weeks ahead through this process, that you'll continue to use this season as an opportunity for us to be prayerful and hopeful and expectant about what you'll do among us. We pray that you will help us to remember about the kind of people that we're thinking about and looking for as we think about our body and who among us might serve in this way. We pray that you'll begin preparing hearts of people who might be recommended, even if they are not interested, uh, that you'll, think, you'll help them to think about the ways that, that you might be able to use that for your good and glory. We pray that you will, in fact, keep us as we leave here. We know that there are many among our number and in our area and in our state and around the world who are struggling in many ways. We continue to pray for an end to COVID and for all the 
havoc that it is wreaking, and we pray that you will uh, watch over uh, this church and this community, our county, as, um, as we live in this unique and unprecedented season of our lives. We pray that you'll continue to help us most of all to keep our eyes fixed on Christ as we live here in this place. Help us to remember uh, the greatest command, to love you and to love others. And as we leave today, we pray that we will live out those two things. And we pray all of this in the name of Christ. And the church said, amen. You are dismissed this morning. I want to encourage you to stick around for classes. We've got some great options available.